Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. place to be how is it going today on this holiday which i really didn't know we scheduled this on a holiday until the last minute so well never rescheduled now but how are you doing today you good i'm doing great um i got covid last week so that's why i'm gonna be home anyways on the holiday so it all worked out oh yeah i just got home from the lake and uh also also did murph today too do you know what murph is yes my best friends are crossfitters so i am aware of murph cindy they were talking about that on our facetime date yesterday oh nice yeah so i did that this morning went to the lake with some friends and literally just got home about 30 minutes ago so uh well let's dive in um do you want to do a little introduction for yourself and just kind of so everyone kind of knows what they're get, we're getting into here? Yes, we are okay. going to be getting into a lot. Um, <laughs> so my name is Tatiana Kay. I am a registered dietitian and author. I specialize in gut health primarily, although I love longevity nutrition. I love mm. everything about increasing the human health span. Um, but yeah, overall, I've been a dietitian for four years. I help patients um, heal their gut so they can honestly just live a higher quality life because when you eat and there's pain associated with it, it really negatively impacts your life. So I help patients specifically um, in that arena. Cool. All right. Well, I agree with that for sure. We're going to talk about that, but you got COVID. Yes, I got COVID and I have been immune to it the last two years. So I have not gotten it and I've been around people. So I couldn't believe when I actually had symptoms, I thought I was hungover last Sunday and lo and behold, it was not hangover. It was COVID. And so all week I've been recovering and I've been fine. Um, but yesterday I lost my sense of taste which it was like day six of COVID and I lost my taste. And I told myself from the very beginning of the pandemic, if I lost my taste, I'm going to eat celery because I hate (laughs) celery and I'm a dietitian. So it's like, I'm supposed to like celery. (laughs) Um, So I bought celery, Instacarted my celery and did the test. And I could not 
taste the celery and it blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) So you said you haven't got COVID for two years. You just not aware that you didn't have it or did have it or not have it? No, I've just never gotten it. I've been around people. Um, you know, I just never came in to my body and I thought I was invincible. (laughs) I was the same way. Um, I was exposed twice that I know of and to my knowledge, I still haven't gotten it, but I was, I was sick. Um, a couple times that my brother got it, then my mother got something. I was like, I'm pretty sure that was COVID, but we never got fully tested, but it wasn't bad. It was just literally a bad cold. Yeah. yeah, if you're a generally healthy person with a okay immune system, you're going to be fine. Um, but but yeah, you should get your antibodies checked to That's see what I if you have it. That's what I want to do. That's the next thing on my list. But this was months ago, so I don't even know how long afterwards you can see, if you can see me silly that. Like, yeah, I think it's months, actually maybe? a couple months or like three months that you want to check after. Yeah. But yeah, I want to do that just because I want to know. And if I did get it, that I'm happy how my body actually dealt with it. But, you know, even when it first came out, and I don't want to make this a whole COVID podcast, but when it first came out that, you know, I was so nervous and worried that, you know, when people were just, oh, you're going to be on a ventilator. Then they found out ventilators were almost killing people. And they're like, don't get on a ventilator. Don't do that. And right. It was, like, it was like, up your vitamin D. It was like, take a multivitamin. It's like, get, yes. I was like, oh, what do we do? Yeah. But now it, it seems like the longer it went, it just became like, oh, it's just bad cold. You'll be fine. As long as you're generally healthy, like you said, you're probably going to be okay. Right. And I'm not taking any way, anything away from anybody who's ever had a bad experience with it or know anybody, but it seems like that was kind of the general idea of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I worked in the hospital as a clinical dietitian when the pandemic first hit and it was scary. It's just the uncertainty, but now we have more information about it and the strains are not as severe as they were um, mm-hmm. back back in March of 2020. So I think, yeah, we're, we're generally okay. Keep your vitamin D levels up. That's most important and you'll be okay. Yeah. It's kind of along, goes along the lines with anything new to, if you want to say our species or life or whatever, just because something new comes out. And if you don't know anything about it, no one really knows how to handle it or what to do. But obviously as you get more research, you do more things, it's just like, oh, okay, you know, maybe we should have did it this way, but let's do it this way now and you will probably be okay. But yeah, it's just a general consensus, it seems like, you know, and obviously it's, you know, I don't know how old you are, but it's just some, one of those things that um, in our lifetime, it never happened, especially for me or anything big. I think the only major event I remember was 9-11 really. And then we had this, I was like, oh, now we have a new one each month, it seems like. Yes. Now it's just, we're living in a pandemic with masks all the time. And yeah, it's, it's a new world we're, yeah. we're in for sure. Where are you at? Are you in California? I'm in California. So Cal. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is it kind of lightened up over there? Like for me, I'm over here in Virginia. It seems pretty laid back now. Just kind of do whatever you want to. Yeah. I was in Southern California. I'm in San Diego County. So San Diego is pretty chill. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely chilled out um, quite a bit. Okay. All right. Yeah. It seems like the general consensus around here, but, um, almost there are some cases that came up a little bit. Now some people are getting worried again, but. Right. This new substrain of Omicron. So this, yeah, what I had is a substrain of Omicron. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. <laughs> so was that you just lost your taste and just kind of felt bad? Yeah, well, it started with the headache, um, which Ooh. I thought I was hungover. So I had a headache for two days, and then it started developing into like a fever, and I got like fever brain, and honestly, it felt like I was high. It was the weirdest sensation ever. Um, and then I did get a cough, and now I just ha- lost my sense of taste as of yesterday. And you saw you don't have it back at all. A bad cough? No, your taste. You don't have it back. No, it just, this is day two. So I'll be eating celery today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so fever brain, is that just a fever? What is that? 
Yeah, it's, well, I don't know if you've had a fever. I've never, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I mean, I've had a regular fever. It just, fever. it feels like you're, like, it's a weird, like, mental state. I don't know. Mm. For, that's what I'm just calling it because I felt like I was, like, on psychedelics or something. It was very strange. Oh, yeah, I've never, never heard of that, but sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. I think I coined it. That's my term. Okay, I, mean, I like it. I mean, you coined it. Brain. It sure is. <laughs> What is that? But so, all right. So, like I said, I don't want to make this a COVID podcast. So, what led you down the whole dietitian road? I mean, is it something you've always done your whole life and wanted to be healthy and eat better? Or is it just you hit rock bottom somewhere and it's like, I got to change my shit around? That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of people end up hitting rock bottom and then they find themselves. And mm. that did happen along the way. But I've always been into health in general. Um, my dad was very health oriented. He was always about organic. Like we, we never had junk food in the house. Mm. So I was kind of primed to always be interested in health and to be interested in nutrition. Sure. Um, but when I was in college, my first year, um, you know, they're like, pick a major. And I was like, well, I love healthcare. I do love the human body. And as soon as I could find, I found out that nutrition, I could major in nutrition. I was like, that is it. Um, and so from there, I you know, went to Loma Linda University, got my bachelor's and master's in nutrition and dietetics. And after that, um, you take a board exam to be certified, you know, so I'm credentialed as sure. a nutrition expert. Um, and yeah, now I'm practicing and I'm in the gut health world. Nice. Yeah. One of my best friends is about to get his master's at Chapel Hill or start his master's, I was say, in dietitian and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it's always kind of interesting. Me. Plus, like I was saying, I'm one of those CrossFitters and I didn't really get serious to my with my nutrition until 2016, 2017. And I actually just it kind of um, what's the best word? It made me realize how much more of a role nutrition plays on with you within performance and lifestyle and just daily life and anything. And for me, it was just like growing up, it was just always just, yeah, to see whatever you want to. Nobody cares. And it's just, we didn't have the research. We didn't have the, the know-how or the knowledge. And so I didn't know what I was doing you know, to myself or how it was affecting me. And then now it's kind of, oh, there is a science to this shit. It's like, this makes sense now. Yes. And you can feel the difference too exactly. huh? when you eat exactly. well. Yeah. And so, I mean, so since then, um, I worked, when I first started, it was with Renaissance Periodization. I don't know if you know who they are, but it's basically just one of those um, meal template kind of diet business people or whatever. And they send you these, they're a bigger name in the CrossFit world, but they send you these fat loss templates or you can gain muscle or a lot of bodybuilders and fitness or yeah, fitness competitors use them uh, or fitness. What's the swimsuit competitions? Finesse? I don't know why I said that. Okay. But anyway, it was, anyway, that's when I started to learn like how my body was reacting to, they kind of based it off macros, proteins, carbs, and fats. And then I would just, uh, it was to say, Hey, you should eat this much chicken today or much protein or much, uh, fats or whatever. And that was just kind of like, and I saw my body changing over the course of, I think I did it for three, four, maybe six weeks. Yeah. And I got the leanest I ever did. And I was like, Oh, this works. Yes. When you <laughs> eat your body changes. Mm-hmm. But it was just, I really didn't need to. I mean, I'm a pretty light guy as it is, but it was just kind of the thing for me in that time of my life. I just wanted to see if I could do it and challenge myself and get down lean. And I felt good. You know, I was even still competing in my CrossFit workouts and I was still crushing my, you know, my weights and every movement felt good. And even like just walking around daily, I felt great, even though I was kind of hungry all the time. But other than that, I felt great. But that's when I kind of learned that, okay, you know, like I said, this is, there's a science to this shit and it's let's try to figure out some more. And so that's the reason I like talking to people who are like yourself, who actually, you know, study it and get involved with it a lot more. Cause I, 
feel for you at the same time just because it's always changing and it's almost like um it's a dogma mentality just because it's hard to have these conversations with people who have stuck to one let's say whole 30 whatever and that's all they want to preach about or whatever and it's like no this is what you do this is what you gotta do so this yes. is how it goes Right. There's a whole diet culture that we live in and people are identifying with diets, which is very strange to me Mm. because the human, the humans, humans have never done this in human history. We used to eat to survive Mm -hmm. and now we're like vegan and keto and whole 30 and low carb. And it's just very interesting that people are, you know, identifying themselves with a particular diet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you label yourself as you know, like, Hey, I eat a lot of meat or whatever. You're instantly in some new group and that people will see you instantaneously different from everyone else. And it was just, well, this is just what works for me. I mean, sorry. You know, like, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Yes. I love Jordan. Peterson. Yeah. And like he went carnivore diet and I'm not saying I do the carnivore diet, but I mean, he did that and it actually helped his autoimmune um, deficiencies or whatever. And he can sustain his lifestyle. Even his, uh, his daughter does the same thing and she's had a lot of health problems. So that was the only thing she found that worked for her. Right. Yeah. The carnivore diet is interesting and and there's definitely a place for it in the therapeutic world, but for someone to just go carnivore, I cringe at that. Um, but there's definitely a place just like most therapeutic diets, um, for autoimmune issues or for gut health issues. You know, there's a a time and a place for it. Yeah. Well, carnivore is one of those basically elimination diet, right? That, oh yeah. Yeah. So, and if you don't know people, if you know what that is, it's just basically eliminate everything else, but a certain specific group and to see how your body's changing, just like you were saying. But do you think it's one of the downfalls of, you know, with people with diets and diet culture, they don't, you know, they don't know how to experiment or write a food journal or try to figure out what's working for them and not what's not working for them. Uh Oh, did we lose you? Okay, and we're back. <laughs> Sorry, little technical difficulties. If uh, there might be a little misreading, miss, I don't know, miss whatever on the uh, actual recording. But yeah, we were talking about carnivore, Jordan Peterson, and I asked, okay, because we said carnivore was basically an elimination diet, so to speak. And that, do you think a lot of people don't realize that um, they can do a diet like that? Not even have to be carnivore, just eliminate things from their diet if they figure out or find out certain foods or food groups are not working for them. I think it's worth Yes. It. Yes. And there's definitely a time and place for elimination diets. And if you are actually struggling with a health condition, a medical condition, then definitely at that point, that's when you should find a dietitian to put you Mm -hmm. on the correct elimination diet. So that way you're not just flailing um, and trying every different elimination diet out there. Um, because you know, for some people, yeah, it truly is gluten that's bothering their gut. Other people it's dairy, but just to keep cutting out and cutting out and cutting out, it, it leaves people very fearful of food. Um, and then they end up eating things like chicken and zucchini and rice and that's all. Um, and that doesn't help. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's not going to be healing their body. So if you are actually struggling with a medical condition, definitely talk to a professional so that way you can get the help you need essentially yeah back in college you know when i was a lifting bro then and stuff i thought that all you had to do was just eat chicken brown rice and broccoli and you'd get far in life (laughs) oh i was the same way i was the same way in college i mean i've tried every diet possible and yeah i remember being my smallest was yeah when i was eating chicken rice and broccoli yeah 
Was it, I think we've all tried it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, I'd go on uh, bodybuilding.com, I think it was back then. And like, they'd have workouts and, you know, all my gym bros were doing it. It was like, this is how you're going to get big, bro. It's all you got to do. But I mean, so you've, you've played around with a lot of different diets to try to figure out what works for you. Yeah. And I, the long story short is it, the dieters mindset does not work in our current society. Good point. I, I'm a big believer in, you know, each person's diet is going to be different. And, um, I'm a believer in individualized nutrition. So, and also at the same time, having a good relationship with food, especially, I mean, men have this issue too, but especially females, you know, we live in a diet culture that tells us we must look a certain way. Our bodies must be skinny, you know, and that, creates mental stress in the female brain when you're unable to do it. Um, So I'm a big believer in, you know, self-love and eating well out of self-respect, not because you're supposed to be on a diet. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent with that. And, you know, when I say diet, I always kind of cringe at myself for saying that because a diet seems temporary, right? And that it's almost like a lifestyle change. And, and I'm not saying you should deprive yourself or do anything like that, but I know that you know, six. All right. So today, for example, you know, we had we did Murph and then we had a cookout. So I was over there eating, you know, some burgers and hot dogs and whatever. But I know I can do in which I'm not saying there's anything bad with that if you're doing it. But I know that I don't eat this way all the time. Plus, there's a bunch of desserts and stuff. And I was just crushing them. And but that's, you know, maybe one day out of the seven days out of the week that I'm doing that. Did I say that right? Yeah. Six out of seven. Right. It's, oh, yeah. it's not your like it's not a hundred percent of your diet that you're eating hamburgers and hot dogs. It's a treat. It's a special occasion. And that's when those foods, that's where those foods should be. If we're yeah, eating, you know, pouring down Oreos every night, that's a little bit different than, you know, having friends over and eating cook and baking cookies. You know, there's a difference. And what's, we always have to ask ourselves, what's the intention behind eating some of these less healthy foods? Mm -hmm. Is it because yes, it's a party and we're enjoying, or is it because we're emotionally eating because we feel bad about ourselves? Do you think that's a lot of it? Especially with the, uh, in modern times that, you know, with body shaming and, you know, I guess if you want to say diet shaming, like we were talking about being labeling people because they do a specific diet, but, and just with the stress of just being a person, I guess, growing up that, you know, this is a people's some reward system and that's the, they fall in this, what do you call it? A negative behavioral loop. And that's what they, you know, they just crush Oreos every night when they get home and crush out stranger things. And then they, you know, Three or four weeks goes down the road. They don't realize what happened because they didn't ask questions and they just did it. Like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Yep. Yeah. It happens a lot. And and it's not three or four weeks. It's years, <laughs> years that Good people point. do this. And and over time, it starts deteriorating their health. But that's where, you know, dietitians come in and other healthcare professionals to get them out of that loop, that spiral down of mm-hmm. co- trying to cope with their emotions with food that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help your health. And it actually doesn't even help with the emotional healing, whatever it is, whether, you know, a spouse passes away or, you know, you just go through, you lose your job or just even this pandemic. Like there's so many mental stressors out there. And if we don't learn to cope with them without food, you know, we're in big trouble. Um, because food is so easy and it's so gratifying and it gives us that dopamine hit that makes Mm -hmm. us feel good, which is why it's addicting. And which is why people do it because it works. It makes them feel good temporarily. With a lot of clients that you're working with, is this kind of what you see maybe across the board? Across Uh, the board. 
Yep. Every, I would say 90% of my patients have emotional eating issues. Um, and most of them, it started back with a particular stressor Mm -hmm. and the same goes with the gut. Um, as soon as they have this micro trauma is what I tend to call it. Their gut becomes imbalanced their emotion, their eating habits become imbalanced because now they're trying to cope with the emotion. Um, so usually we can pinpoint it to a specific event in their life. So wait, when you say micro trauma, you mean like a, a bad life experience? Yep. A bad life, whether, yeah, it's someone passing away or okay. losing a job or, you know, something that is a trauma for them that they now ruminate on. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I, I knew exactly what you meant by that because I never really heard anybody. Else. So you usually just hear say people go or people say trauma right. instead of and, micro trauma. Yeah. yeah, and trauma trauma also exists. I would sure. say trauma is, you know, more so you know sexual abuse, which does happen. Um, you know, emotional abuse, but micro traumas is just taking it one level down, but also still you. recognizing that the brain is viewing that as a stressor and as something detrimental. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense now. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a patient, he lost his dog, his dog passed away and that was the start of his GI issues. And so, yeah, we're calling that little scenario micro trauma because it literally impacted his physical and emotional well-being. Yeah. You know, and part of that, this is just reminding me and I haven't really, I don't know if I've talked about this on here, but if I have, I'm sorry, folks. But anyway, when I was in eighth grade, we went through eighth through 12th in high school. Like a really rural area. So, but I remember I was always so nervous going into high school that you go, cause I was really short. I was really small, like literally a hundred pounds walking in eighth grade. And I was always going to be the guy that got picked on, you know, as far as movies being bullied, that's all I ever saw. And, um, but inst- instantaneously we'd pull up to our gym and it was like a huge wraparound thing in our bus and this huge circle of driveway and my stomach would instantly just start cramping and going crazy. And, and using my breakfasts back then were nothing, you know, awesome, but it was just cereal, maybe some eggs and whatever. But, but it was like little things like that would just make my stomach hurt for like better part of the whole morning. And I just remember just something that small, just me walking into a huge high school, just so scared. I was going to get beat up and it never happened. I never got beat up. I never really got bullied besides just random, you know, boys picking on each other, saying stupid jokes and calling shorty or whatever. But yeah, but it never happened every day, like up until, probably ninth or 10th grade. Like it was just until I started driving, I actually felt more grown up or more in control of my life or something. Yeah. Or more, I don't know, adult. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Is what I'm trying to say. Your, your nervous system had an impact on your physical well being, And that's Mm -hmm. how powerful the mind is, is yeah. If the mind is not comfortable, it will show up in physical symptoms. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever said that or out loud anyway, but yeah, I just made it, it was so, I just, man, thinking about it now, I still kind of get that feeling back, but it was literally just my whole stomach would just cramp up and, you know, and then one day, when was this? You're like, so I had a colonoscopy at 24, 25, and it was just because I had some stuff going on. They couldn't figure it out why, but they found out I had an ulcer inside one of my, and, but it was small. It was real small. It went big, but so I was wondering if that was part of the stress growing up and cause I didn't, yeah. So, okay. Cool. Cause I was like, my diet yes, was never, is, you know, yeah, it was never that bad. I know it was, you know, a little drinking here and there in college or nothing, but yeah, well, a lot of drinking probably, but, um, but yeah, I think a lot of it was just more due to stress. Yes. And that's why it's a lot of people like to think of nutrition as like 
everything, but that's just one pillar. Your mental health and your mm. managing your stress is another pillar to well being mm. because you could have a perfect diet, but if you don't control that stress that you had of going into school and being worried that you're going to get bullied, that is that's enough to destroy your For sure. digestive system. For sure. Yeah. You might need to correct me on that. And this, you know, obviously when you're stressed, that was it released cortisol and cortisol is just kind of, does it retain fat? So yeah, cortisol will increase blood sugars. And then okay. when blood sugars are elevated for a long time, it can turn into fat in the there bloodstream. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. A lot of people, you said that perfectly. A lot of people don't realize, you know, in their daily life, how much stress are under what it's actually, how much it's impacting themselves. And it's one of those things that you just got to kind of sit back and this might sound easier said than done, but sit back and reflect on yourself and like realize what's going wrong, what's going right and make the change. You know, who is it? Are you a friend of Madman or that no. show? Oh, uh, Donald Draper, he always says some stupid saying in there. Like, if you don't like the way the conversation's going, then change it. So, and that's Love like, it. yeah, it's, it's kind of like, and you, it's applied to a bunch of different things with me. It's like, Hey, I don't like how things are going. So we need to change something. Exactly. And, and yeah, that comes in with reflection and awareness. And that's why meditation is so popular right now is because people are finally realizing if they just quiet their freaking monkey brain, mm -hmm. they can actually think clearly and see their life for what it is. You know, we tell ourselves these stories and we tell ourselves lies about ourselves and they're not true. Exactly. You know, just like your brain was telling you, Chris, I am going to get bullied today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get beat up today because I'm small. Exactly. And it never happened. That voice is a liar. And I yeah. love the book, um, The Voice of Knowledge by Don Miguel Jr. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. It is wonderful. And he puts it so simply about how we need to shut the heck up this voice in our head. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, like I said, I know a lot of people. I try to say that a lot on here, but it's almost easier said than done. But it's almost just getting out of your own way. Right. And just yeah, and just like usually when I start to think like that. Um, it's almost like imposter syndrome and that, you know, I get real negative and start thinking about real negative talk with myself, but I instantly put up this red stop sign in my head. And that's my cue is like, dude, stop, man, you know, get something, change this, you know, like you said earlier, just negative, negative spiral and go back up to positive, whatever you got to do to reset. Mm -hmm. And meditation is a good way. Do you, do you meditate? I've been trying to incorporate that. Yes. I love meditation for me. My, I had my big downfall back in 2013 and I like my whole life crumbled apart. Um, you know, like I broke up. That? Yeah. Well, I broke, yeah, I'll give you the gist. So okay. I broke up with my high school boyfriend. I broke my wrist. My car got broken into and I lost like got all my stuff stolen. So I was at my lowest point in my life. And I'm, I honestly believe it was God throwing a storm at me so I could wake mm. the hell up. Mm. And I did. And I remember I was at my lowest point and I just thought, what can I do? And I went on YouTube and I just, I don't know how I stumbled upon a guided meditation, but I was like, this is it. I'm done being at the bottom. And I started listening to that guided meditation. And since then, like my life has only climbed to where I am now. Yeah. So it all I, started with getting myself out of that deep hole is with meditation. I like stories like that where people, you know, I don't want to say you hit rock bottom, but you go through a hard hardship in your life. And instead of just going along with it and let it drag you down, you say, nah, bro, we turn this thing around and come up, you know, and it's, I love stories like that. Even, you know, in movies and books, you know, guy gets a girl at the end of it and he wants to post or whatever and little things like that. And it's just, yeah, I like talking to people like 
I don't know. Like, I, I never really had a really bad hardship like that in my life. Or, but for the most part, I just love hearing stories. Like, especially talking with people like you. It's oh, that's I get. You know, I want to go run through a brick wall. I get hyped up over it. Yeah, no, it's it's motivating to hear other yeah. people. But honestly, most people can. The pressure gets so bad that they have no choice but to start getting up. You know. Yeah. Well, that's part of it. Is that. You know, you can either sit down there and just let it keep beating you down or there's you can just say, hey, I got to do something about this. Yes. And, and, and that's, that's how that's how most of my patients end up coming to me because they're like, I'm I've been trying to do this on my own, but I just can't do it anymore. Like yeah. I need actual help. And so that's that's the beauty of my job is I do get to help people like emerge from this darkness. Awesome. Well, there's this. Do you, do you agree that there's just so much? Say, if, all right, say I want to lose 20 pounds today or get in shape for a 5K or whatever somebody's goal is. I mean, is it just so much knowledge or so much information out there right now? This It's so overwhelming that no one has not or most people don't have a clue on where to start at. And, and obviously going down a YouTube rabbit hole or Google thing is just kind of almost leading next to nowhere. So it's just, is that the point where like, all right, we got to find Tatiana here. Maybe she's going to Yes, that's exactly when you have, you hire a health coach or, I mean, obviously you want to find the best health coach out there that like fits with you. Um, but yeah, I've have, I can't even count how many patients I've had that they come to me and they're like, I've read everything online and I still don't know what to do. And I'm like, yeah, because you confused yourself, yeah. <laughs> which is even why I read, um, or I wrote my book hungry for truth because mm. I, saw all the controversies. And I know that if I was confused as a dietitian, that there has to be other people that were confused too. And so that's why I took all of the common lies that people believe about health and nutrition. And I debunked them and provided over 75 truths about true, true eating well for longevity. Well, I mean, working in this field, do you feel overwhelmed with, you know, so much of, you know, for example, um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that uh, sugar was, I forgot what it was, but there's actually evidence of sugar companies placing blame on saturated fats on for blood, blood disorders or blood disease or heart, God, I can't talk today, heart disease and everything else. So yeah, do you find it overwhelming just trying to keep up and staying it, you know, with the trends and cause I, yes. I do not I, do it. <laughs> I like it though. Um, obviously that's why I chose this field is because Good. I like to learn. Um, but yeah, it is overwhelming and it, it got frustrating for me once I graduated school. Cause I thought I would know everything, mm. but honestly, like that's when my real learning began was once I graduated, once I became a dietitian and once I started working with people, because it's easy to put someone on a low calorie diet in a clinical study when they're getting incentivized, but you try to translate that to the real world. It does not work. Exactly. No, so, kind of, uh, yeah. no uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm reading, uh, it's called Sacred Cow right now. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so a lot of their, the first beginning of the book, they're actually talking about these studies and stuff and how they're, um, what's the word am I trying to say? But they're not exactly giving out all the facts for the studies. Just, well, they you know, cherry pick. There they you go. Pick. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. It's just like somebody who you know, had heart disease from eating uh, meat or whatever. And that's kind of what over it, but it's like, well, what were the, what were they also eating with their meat and stuff? And it's like, yeah. And it was like, mm, they didn't say that part of it though. Right. It's the context of our diet. That's with anything with sugar, with saturated fat. It's what are you eating? Where is that food coming from? Is it coming from burgers, fries, and a shake? Mm -hmm. Or are you getting cheese from your salad and, you know, putting some fresh, you know, grass, you know, a uh, free range chicken on there, mm -hmm. two different scenarios, both have saturated fat. 
Yeah. Speaking of that, I don't know if you have any insight on this, but in the book, they basically said that, you know, grass fed versus, I guess, regular grain fed, regular, there's not really much difference. Oh, I would disagree with that. Um, they've, They've been able to, yeah, they take the nutrition profiles of the grass fed, grass finished beef, and then the grain fed antibiotic cows and there is more, um, omega-3 fatty acids in the grass fed grass finished and omega-3 fatty acid is an anti-inflammatory fat that our, the human body needs in high quantities because your brain is made out of it. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I know they said there was a marginal differences and maybe they just put it into a or a perspective, like as far as money and what you're getting out of the nutrition quality from it. Mm-hmm. But so I guess if you pay more for the grass fed, you uh, definitely pay more. Yeah, it's definitely right. more expensive. And most people can taste the difference between the two. Can you? I can't. I'm not a huge meat eater as it is. I'm more of a flexitarian, but yeah, I can taste the difference. What's a flexitarian? Flexitarian is someone who is mostly plant-based, but I dibble dabble with fish and uh, animal products. Oh, okay. I like that. Just another label to add on to our <laughs> no, list. I mean, another no. identity. <laughs> no, I haven't heard of flexitarian, but you found out what that's what works best for you though, personally? Yes. Yeah. Cause I personally, like if someone put a steak in front of me, I would maybe eat a bite of it. Um, I'm not really into meat, uh, but also at the same time, like I'm not completely vegetarian. Like I will, you know, get steak on my Chipotle sometimes, especially like as a woman, like during my cycle, like I need more iron. So I'm just more intuitive when it comes to my eating behavior. So if I want to eat meat, if I want to eat steak, I'm going to eat it. If I don't want to eat it, I'm not. So that's where I mean by flexitarian. Like okay. I'm flexible with all the diets. Okay. Well, that, I like it, you know, just because, you know, I like things like, all right. I don't know if I said this earlier, but I don't believe there is one diet that fits all obviously. And right. that it just kind of matters on the person and their microbiome and their life and all this. Shit. But, um, but yeah, I like blending a bunch of different things together and finding out like what you just said, like what works for that one person. And it might it suck at first and it might take a while to figure it out, but what you do it's great. And yeah, exactly. And you can, it'll change with different seasons of life, right? So yeah, if you're, you know, prepping for a uh, competition, you know, you're going to be eating much different versus if it's a season of rest where, yeah, you're, you know, more vegging out, you know, life, Mm -hmm. your diet is allowed to change. That's the thing. And I think diet culture tells you it can't, but you're in charge of your life and you're in charge of charge of what you put in your in your diet and in your body. And so you can say, Hey, you know what? I actually sat for most of the day. Maybe I don't need that much energy and that many calories today versus if it's a day that, yeah, you did a Murph, you know, the Murph (laughs) workout, you, you want to eat more. You want to have burgers and fries to replenish your body. So we're allowed to be flexible. And I think diet culture tells us otherwise. Yeah. That's a one good thing that, um, it does tell you otherwise and that a lot of people don't realize that, but yeah, I mean, you guys got to, like I said, it sucks having to figure out how one thing would work for you. Like, why? Right, so, for example, you know, speaking of Murph and eating afterwards, there there was some science there. And I want to get your insights on this, too, that um, you should, depending on your workout, depending on how much intensity you put in and duration and all that, that it's okay to have uh, a Snickers and a Coke immediately after you work out and put the sugar back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, do you know who Floyd May- uh, Mayweather? Yeah, I hope that's his name. Right? Mm-hmm. Mayweather is. Yeah. yeah, that's what he would do after all of his intense boxing trainings. He would go have a coke. Yeah, and some people are like, no, yeah. don't, no sugar, no sugar. But little things like that. It depends on beneficial. like what they. 
what the intention is and what's the goal. So like for me, I personally am very anti-soda. If there's any food item I'm anti, it is soda. And because yeah, the human body was never meant to consume that, but the best, the best time to drink a soda would definitely be right after intense workout, because at least your body will be utilizing every glucose molecule versus if someone who's just sitting on the couch, drink a soda, that's going to get converted to fat. Yeah. And when I was doing my RP uh, templates there, immediately well no so during my workouts they would say drink half a protein and you have to mix a gatorade powder with it so drink half of it before and drink the rest of it afterwards and it tasted awful i mean i so i'm not a foodie so i'll just crush it anyway and i was like whatever but um but yeah like i was like well i don't know if i should be putting sugar because back i mean this was 2017 and even still that sugar is the enemy i guess but i was like mm, okay well i mean they're smarter than i am i'm gonna trust it and Right. Yeah, right. And yeah, it's, it just depends on the person's goals. Like if they are trying to like cut and shred, like, yeah, maybe the sugar isn't the best idea, but if you're just trying to work on your performance, you need the carbohydrates. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying you need to go walk around a block and you can reward yourself with a Coke and a Snickers, but it, it all depends on how you're training is what it came down to. And what's a lot of this stuff is, is basically how are you training? What is your daily life like? And mm-hmm. it seems like the only thing that I've seen, you might say something different that is we can all kind of agree on is that there is some good science with calories in calories out. Kind of what yeah, you said. I think it's more than that because calories from a soda and calories from an avocado do two different complete mechanisms in the body. So one is going to raise your triglycerides, which is fat essentially. And then the other is not even going to do anything to insulin. So they definitely, even though they both might have 150 calories, they're not acting the same way in the body. So overall, overall, yeah, overall, it's the processed food that we should just be minimizing calories aside, just minimizing processed foods and going more so to a whole food diet, one ingredient foods that we know exactly what it is, preferably lots of plants because that's, you know, necessary for gut health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I should have, I guess I could, we need to retract that. Cause I mean, I, now that I think about it, if you put alcohol, like empty cows into your body, you're really not getting any nutritional value, even though it is yeah. calories like you just said. Okay. I feel like an idiot now, but that's okay. No, you're good. You're that's good. That's why we're talking about this. This is what we're exactly. getting Exactly. And that's why I'm glad you brought it up because that's one, you know, a chapter in my book where I debunk the whole calorie in calorie out method. And yes, it's easy in the clinical trials. And that's why like, if you go to a clinical trial on low calorie, people lose weight. They do. But again, they were incentivized. So they are getting paid to be on a low calorie diet. And also there's no follow-up. And if they did have follow-up, they usually all gain the weight back. Hmm. So do you think with talking about processed foods and ultra processed and all that, that with the American lifestyle and American contemporary diet, it's really hard to avoid those that because it's so easy just to run out there and feed a family of four running through McDonald's or whatever your choice is. Yes, it's very difficult. And I always start off by saying it's not your fault. This is not your fault that you live in the most obesogenic society ever. Um, But we also need to know it's our responsibility And I know Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, which is why he's so popular is that you are in control of your life. And yes, although the rest of the world is doing one thing, it's up to you to do something different. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Uh, Would you, how'd you say it? Oh, 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. A society? Oh, the obesogenic society. Obesogenic society. Yeah, because I read a stat, or I heard on, I think I heard it on a podcast, that the average American male weighs 190 pounds with a 40-inch waist right now. And back, if you compare that to Civil War era, which was 1860s, I think the average male was 140 pounds. And which, yeah, you can, someone could argue that, well, that's, you know, over 100 years ago. But yeah, but still, I mean, look how much has changed. I mean, is that good or bad? Right. It's not good. And our health is deteriorating and which means we have to pay more money for the people who are abusing the system of just eating whatever they want and big food industry, big pharma and the government are all getting nice little paychecks while other people are suffering. And so again, yeah, it's up to you as the individual to not go for the convenience. Like I could literally order, you know, fast food on my phone right now and it'll be here by the end of our conversation. And is that going to benefit my health and longevity? No, no, but it's just so easy to do. And that Mm -hmm. people just want those instantaneously things they can get right then without having to actually work for it. And, you know, and I agree that it sucks having to come home and cook. I don't like cooking and I'm not, you know, I just do it because I have to. And I usually eat the same meal every time anyway, just because, you know, I eat like a boring person's how I say it, just because it works for me. And I know it works for me, you know, tomorrow I'm going to feel good. Like today at the lake with me and my buddy, we were talking about, you know, because he's experimented with a bunch of different diets too. It's like, we've been doing different. He was actually, he did high protein, low carb for so long that he actually started introducing more carbs back into himself. And he's like, it's kind of what you said. You said fever brain earlier, but it was he said he said brain fog, and he was yeah, like, yeah, it just didn't feel like I felt kind of sluggish and weird all day. So yeah, it's just yeah, the whole point is just trying to figure it out, and it sucks, but once you do, like I said earlier, it, it works. It's worth it. It's it's, it's worth, worth it. the journey. Um, just like making money is the same type of deal. You you put aside the instant gratification. You save your money, and you can live large. You know in a, in the future, right. Versus just blowing all your money. Now eating a bunch of junk food now is the same thing. It's going to slowly deteriorate your health versus if you're being disciplined as best as you can, finding what works for you. If that means working with a healthcare provider, like it's going to be worth it in the end. Yeah. Do you think there's an issue with too much food in this country? Yes, of course. Uh, I, I think, I mean... um, okay. So this is what I think is the bigger issue versus like too much food, bigger portions is our frequent eating or we eat frequently now. And this is definitely like the fitness culture got involved here with eating every like two hours to stimulate mm-hmm. muscle protein synthesis, but uh-huh. the human body was meant to fast. And so I am so supportive of the intermittent fasting fad right now, because this is the most natural fad diet we have seen in decades. You know, the human body 
went through periods of fasting and feasting back in the day when we were caveman, you know, even you go back 500 years and it's like, we slaved away all day to make one meal. Um, and that's not the case anymore. We could, yeah, I could go grab some crackers. I can go grab a piece of fruit. I can go, (laughs) you know, get my Postmates delivered. Like I have access to eating food whenever I want to. And Mm -hmm. that has never been the case for a human before. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody knew where their next meal was going to come from back in the day. Right. Yeah. And plus all the energy you were putting out and doing everything you could just to try to figure out what kind of meal you were going to have, which was, do you think it was mostly meat, obviously, with some, what, yeah, it depended on where, yeah, where your roots came from, where your genes came from. Some people were in a predominantly meat based society. Other people ate a ton of root vegetables, you know, so it depends on like where your genetics comes from. Yeah. But, but yeah, frequent eating is a big problem that I see in the gut health world, because you have to think if you're eating every, you know, if you're eating three meals a day and snacks in between your digestive system is going all day, like it is working all day. There's never a break Mm -hmm. and we need that break. We need the balance between eating and not eating, but we're always eating and we're eating Mm -hmm. late at night too, which was again, never part of the human experience. (laughs) Like after it went dark outside, you know, we didn't go eat with the coyotes at 8 p.m. or 10 (laughs) p.m. Like we were in the cave hiding. (laughs) Yeah, no, going back on, I mean, I know I've talked about RP already, but yeah, that was our thing. I I think I was eating six times a day. And even now, you know, I don't weigh my food anymore. I just kind of eat what I want to eat, but it's versus it's quality over quantity. It's like, that's good. That's all I need. And I eat roughly three to four times a day and I'm still just maintain and I can sustain this lifestyle and it's good. But I even I, I practice a little bit of intermediate fasting, but I was just doing it on Sundays, basically, which I don't know why I do it on Sundays. It was just kind of I woke up, you know, this has probably been six months ago, maybe longer. And I was like, I'm to try it, you know, and I think I was I did it for eight ish hours. I think more most people do like 12 to 16. I could be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so you, um, you have an eight hour eating window on Sundays. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just I get up and usually I just chug some water and I don't think water takes you out of it. Right. That's OK. No. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was like coffee and stuff. And... Yeah. Plain water, plain coffee, plain tea. Okay. Um, those don't break the fast. Okay. And so usually I would just chug that. And, you know, I usually get up on Sundays around seven ish, seven thirty ish. And then I would just kind of just go out through my day and just wait till, you know, almost dinner time. And I would just make me something then. And I was usually, I was okay all day with just drinking water and stuff. And I didn't feel different. Then I was kind of more worried about the following day because that's when I would start my, you know, training again, obviously Sunday's usually my rest day for my workouts. And I was like, oh, shit, how am I going to feel today? And it didn't really affect me. You know, I didn't feel like it affected mm-hmm. me. any. So I'm just still just cruising along. And do you know why it didn't affect you? I have no clue. I don't know because, about this. Because, Chris, you're metabolically flexible, meaning your body is able to break down both fat and incoming energy in the form of food. So your body is able to switch between the two freely. So that's why it's easy for you on Sundays to just, you know, have one meal a day. However, if you go to a someone, let's just say we go to our average American who's eating six times a day, eating a bunch of junk food, and then they try to go to a 16 hour overnight fast, they're going to have the hardest time because their body is so used to incoming energy. It doesn't know how to burn fat, but your body knows how to do both. That makes perfect sense. I never thought about it like that. Yes. So So it's pretty cool. Tell me about this. Um, with intermediate fasting, I've heard this before, and I don't. This might be one of these food myths. Does it reset your palate as far as taste? Yeah, that's a really good question. So it, I wouldn't say necessarily resets your palate, but when you are fasting, 
um, the re- the t- cell turnover is faster. So your cells in your digestive system you recycle basically. So you will have new newer cells. Essentially, you will be younger. So in a way, yes, you could taste change your taste buds. Hmm. Yeah, I heard. I forgot where I heard that from, and I guess that kind of makes sense. But I've never, you know, like I said, you, I probably could tell you more of what I don't want to eat. Or what I will, is that what I'm trying to say? Yeah, what I, like really the only thing, if somebody asked me what your favorite food is or what would you, the one thing you don't want to eat, I say grits, you know? And, and then I, I would still eat them just like if I went over to your house and, you know, say your family made it for me, I'd like, still want to eat it, but I'd rather, I won't like it. But everything else, I most of them just eat whatever and I really don't care. It's just, I, I use seafood as fuel for me. And, yes. Yeah. And that's a, that's a luxury mindset to have because Ooh. so many people are caught in the, I need to eat food is my life. Mm-hmm. Food is what makes me feel good. Um, and I think people like you with your mindset and I, I am similar too. I don't eat to live. Right. Yeah. Or I I'm guess not, we do. We, we eat do, to live. We do. Right, right, right. Right. But, but some people it's the, their coping mechanism is only food. And yeah. the fact that we can detach from food and not feel like we need to be eating at every second or be thinking about food at every second of the day is a blessing. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. I, I've never gotten, you know, and I'm not taking away from people who are foodies and that's how they make their mm-hmm. living or whatever. But, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong, if I went to a new city or whatever, I would try a new restaurant. But I've never I can never really say that, you know, I've sat down and let's say I've had the best, I don't know, steak or whatever we were talking about earlier in my life. It's like, oh, this was just the greatest thing in my world. But it was just kind of, yeah, it was good. Yeah. But it, it's not changed my life. I mean, but maybe I just haven't had that meal yet. Maybe there's some people who've had that meal. Yeah. And maybe that's a good place for development for you is finding some more excitement with food, whether it's trying something new or learning how to cook something different. Yeah. Well, like there's one of those things that, um, you know, I've been reading a lot about people who eat, you know, game meat and stuff. And, you know, and I've never in my area, I really don't have any access to it and which, you know, I'd like to and just see what it it'd be like, you know, when, uh, I remember the one time, I think the most thing I've ever had was bear and I was in 12th grade then, and somebody <laughs> brought it in where we were working at. And I don't remember, I was just kind of like, it's good. It's fine. But you know, when people say it tastes gamey and stuff, I was like, I don't know. It's good to me. I don't know. Yeah. I've never tried anything abnormal, like meat wise. I'm definitely more of like beef, chicken, fish. <laughs> well, that's not even just for me. I mean, if it was, yeah. you know, I don't need a lot of you know, I, I'm a, I'm basically my diet is meat, fruit, and some vegetables here and there, and it works. But you know, even if there was some other non-meat dish, I mean, I'm willing to try. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be good. I mean, I don't know what the most, I don't even know what that dish would be, but yeah, I mean, yeah, let's crush it. But and going off that though, and we might we're probably circling back with this, but if we talk about vegetarians and vegans, and you know, after a few weeks, they start to feel better when they start these diets or whatever. And, and do they realize, do some people realize that, well, when you started these dots, you probably also eliminated again, you know, a lot of sugar and other bad shit that you probably shouldn't have been anyway. Exactly. And that's okay. every diet. Every diet starts off with, right, cutting out all the processed food. So people say, this is it. I feel amazing. <laughs> it's this diet. And it's no, it's you took out all the crap in your diet and now you're eating whole foods. Yeah. Yeah. And, and. Do you think that in part of that book I was reading, Sacred Cow, or I am reading, you know, they went in to discuss um, pregnancies with people who are vegan and stuff and how bad it can be for the embryo inside. 
Yes, because the vegan diet is missing essential nutrients and essential, essential meaning the human body needs it. So for anyone to say that the vegan diet, a vegan diet is natural for humans is Mm. completely wrong. Like the human body needs omega-3 and you could not eat that much algae like naturally, like you would need to supplement with it. Do, do you get a lot of pushback with your clients when you talk about, you know, like we were talking about labels and stuff that, you know, no, I heard this is the way, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier with dogma mentality on these dots. Yeah. I'm, I'm more gentle with my patients. Um, obviously I have to, I have to be compassionate and gentle and understand that like, this is their belief system. So I take them out of it very slowly. Um, not abruptly, unless it's one of those patients that are like, tell me everything. And then I'll just give it to them. <laughs> All right. Well, here's, here's a good question. So how does it work? So let's say, I don't know, I wanted to be able to run a 5k tomorrow or whatever, or just, I don't know, I want to get healthier in some form. And I come to you and what do I do? I just, or how does it start? I would ask you, what is your why? Why do you want to do that? Okay. I want to lose 10 pounds for the beach. But why? Uh, Cause I want to look better in front of everybody. But why does that matter? I don't know, because that's what society told me, Tatiana. Okay, okay. See, but see, there that's where that's the psychological component that a lot of people are missing is understanding what their intention. Is it truly um due to insecurity? Or is it because you respect your body? Or is it just a vain a vanity thing of yeah, you want to look good on the beach, you know? And knowing what that intention is is very powerful. So w- would it matter if it was a vanity thing? I think it just depends on your, your character and what you value. You know, um, I think, I mean, obviously I work in orange County, so the vanity is real. Um, but I always come back to another why a more emotional why, because yeah, vanity will only get us so far, but if there's a reason why, like, Oh, my, my mother, I saw my mother struggle with Alzheimer's or, you know, my best friend died of colon cancer. Like that's way more powerful. And that is going to drive you so much farther along your health journey. than I want to look good on the beach. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Cause that seems like more of a temporary thing for me. When I let us think about that, I would say, yeah, I'm gonna look good for the beach. And there's the week I'm at the beach. And after that, I can just let myself go again. Uh, or, yeah, or let's just say, yeah, you end up being in a relationship and you know, that person doesn't care what you look like. And then all of a sudden now you're just eating, you know, less healthy foods and you gain weight. It's like that motivation to just look good on the beach is short-lived. Okay. All right. I have a Dep- new, I have a new scenario now. Okay, okay. So okay. let's do this. All right. So let's say I'm tired of walking from my car to work and I'm out of breath and I know that it's bad that if I can't walk, you know, less than a quarter mile inside my office, that something is terribly wrong. And I know it's because my body's carrying extra X amount of pounds. So I want to do something to feel better. Beautiful. Then yes, there's a why there. There's a why. So that way you can walk from your car to the office and around without being shortness of breath. So that's your why. And that's more powerful. And yeah. So from there we would, I would take a look at a patient's complete lifestyle. I would take a look at their diet. Obviously. Um, I would take a look at their physical activity, their sleep, their mental health, because all of those things will have an impact on their weight. You know, they could have a perfect diet and be sleeping five hours a night. And that's the reason why they're not able to lose weight. Yeah. There is so much, um, 
what was I trying to say that people, this entrepreneur mentality that goes there, it's like, oh, you don't need to sleep. You only need four hours of sleep and you can get everything done. But there's so much, yeah, you need sleep. But and if you do get four hours, fine. If it works for you, fine. That's fine. But at what cost? I mean, what cost is it giving you? And a lot of exactly. people don't realize that. Like, there's a lot of research on sleep that, you know, and I'm trying to get my seven, eight hours plus every night. I don't care. Me yeah. too, because that's the most, that's more important than nutrition in regards to longevity is getting adequate sleep. And yeah, it's, it's, what are you like? What's the cost here? It's mm-hmm. your freaking longevity and your well being. That's the cost. It's the same thing with eating. You know, are you going to eat a bunch of junk food so you don't feel good in 20 years? Or are you going to do the, the, you know, the discipline needed to add in some plants and change your diet so that way you can feel great in 20 years? Yeah. Same thing, thing with sleep. One thing I never realized that, you know, with obviously, you know, um, you sit there pounding drinks and alcohol and stuff and that you pass out or whatever, but you think you fell asleep, but you really didn't fall asleep. It's basically your body just kind of get rid of the alcohol, right? It's and, sedating you. Yeah. And I never knew how much that played um, or could, could affect someone until, I don't know, probably after college. I was like, shoot, what did I just do during college? You know, I thought I was sleeping. I thought I was going to pass out and fell asleep, but no, no. Nope. I know I was the same way in college. And I think we all need to experience it for ourselves to actually learn. But yeah, I was like going to school and then personal training at like 5 a.m. and then going to bed at like midnight. So I was getting, yeah, like four hours of sleep for a good three years there. And I'm so happy to like be able to sleep eight hours every (laughs) night now. (laughs) How how was the personal, you personal trained during college? Yeah. While I was in school, nutrition school. How'd that go? It was great. I loved it. I was a little arrogant shit, honestly. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been doing it. I don't mind. Um, but yeah, I was rather arrogant at that time. Um, I mean, I was 20, 22. So I give myself a little grace for that. But I felt like I knew everything. You know, I have the good body so I could teach people how mm-hmm. to, you know, eat and exercise. But <laughs> I've come a long way since then with my practices, with my clients. Yeah, no, I, I relate to that hundred percent. Like we were talking about earlier with eating chicken and meat and or chicken and broccoli and raw brown rice. And that, that was just kind of my thing was that, Oh yeah, you know, I'm good. I can tell you how to work out. Just follow me do what yeah. I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Like I look hot. Like I can teach you <laughs> exactly. how to do also. Yeah. But I mean, I guess I thought it was almost more of a bro mentality just because it seemed easier that way. I guess girls, do the same way or female yeah I'm I mean I definitely have more like masculine energy like I'm a workaholic you know I'm like go 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 type of personality so I think it's more so my personality (laughs) would you have to have that type of uh work ethic with your uh being a registered dietitian or Uh, no I would say actually most dietitians are very nice and gentle and meek I'm definitely more of like the outrageous one that will say crap you know like if something's bothering me, like I will let you know that it's bothering me. Whereas a lot of dietitians are really nice. <laughs> mm, well, you got to say that. I think you got to be able to be straightforward with people. This is what I like when I'm, if I was getting this type of services and stuff, I don't want people to bullshit me around. I want them given to me, you know, uh, give it to me straight. Right. And that's right. also There's motivating a- to me at the same time. Yes. And it's a, you need to be honest. And I mean, most, most dietitians are honest, but they do it in such a nice way that I don't think it's as effective versus, you know, telling the patient like, Hey, if you don't stop drinking soda, like your fatty liver is not going to improve, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we yeah, have it, to be direct. It goes to one of these things that, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you should ever body shame anybody and I'm not right. saying or advocating that, but 
with me personally, just for me, that if somebody was like, mm, Chris looks like you've been eating pretty good lately, you know, <laughs> just eating. Like, okay, all right, uh-huh. I'm doing something wrong here. Let me uh, dial it back down a little bit. And, but yeah, but I also know I'm very self-aware that when I get in these habits and stuff and that if I do start to get out of my daily routine, that's what really helps me is discipline and routine. And like I said, when I eat like a boring person, like I know exactly what I'm going to be doing all throughout the day. Right. Six, right. seven days a week. So. The human brain loves routine and I'm yeah. sure your brain feels so good when it's in its routine because it's, it knows what's happening. It knows yeah. what's next. Yeah, it does. Cause I just always, and it always like, yeah, it knows what's next. I know, or I know what my meal is going to be and I know how I'm going to feel. And yeah, can some things go out of whack? Yeah. But I remember back in college, speaking of routine, that it was always kind of weird that, um, or weird for me that if somebody said you were a routine, you had a routine, I almost felt like I was like a, kind of like a loser's kind of nerd mentality. It's like, no, man, just fly by the seam of your pants. You don't need to I mean, just do whatever, man. And, but I guess there's a lot of power into it is what I'm saying now. And I've learned that it was not really tough for me to learn, but yeah, as I wanted to get serious with certain things, it's like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I like this. Yes. And just like what you said, I like knowing like how I'm going to feel. I'm like knowing where my next meal is going to be and, it makes life easier for me. Yes. The brain like simple, the brain like yeah. simple. And once we make it simple, it's very easy to get into these good habits for longevity. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, do you keep any like nutrition goals or like your future? I know you wrote your book and stuff. I mean, but is mm-hmm. that like, and talk about work ethic and simple and stuff. I mean, is that yeah. what you're. Yeah, I'm a very driven person. Um, obviously, as soon as I finished this book, I'm like, what's the next book? Um, so that's definitely starting the brainstorm there. Um, but also I'm working more so on getting, um, building up my business, like my coaching business. Um, I'm moving away from like the basic dietitian, like one-on-one model, because I'm finding that doing a long-term deal, like, cause gut health does not heal overnight. Um, and I think some people think that it takes months, sometimes a year to actually heal the gut. Um, so I'm moving away from like individual sessions and doing more of the, um, like, I guess the business model where it, I'm you're working with me for a year and like, that's that. And we're going to yeah. heal your gut in the process. <laughs> is that kind of what you're, I know you've said that a couple of times is that you're kind of more of your focus is gut health. Yes. Yeah. It, it, I prefer longevity nutrition, honestly, like I would rather take a generally healthy person and make them healthier, but because there's such a need for gut health and I'm good at it. And I see so many patients and I've been working in this specialty for some time now, I guess, I, it's my, it's my duty to help these patients. Yeah. A lot of people need that help. I mean, this, what is it? 60% are obese now in America. I could yeah, be wrong and, that well, stat. and gut health issues are rising. I mean, I SIBO like it's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is like a huge GI condition right now that I see so many patients. Um, IBS is on the rise. I mean, gastritis, which is inflammation of the stomach is on the rise. So Ooh. a lot of people are actually like, ill they're they're sick and they need medical nutrition therapy and that's where i come in <laughs> and they don't realize that they're actually that sick probably no some of them realize yeah okay. some of them realize um some people don't want to acknowledge it's their lifestyle um although i slowly show them okay hey look at how you're handling stress look at how you're coping with it you're coping it with food um so i slowly enlighten them along the way 
What is your thoughts on supplements? I mean, is that part of your regiment that? Per- oh yeah. Supplements have a place for sure. I always like to think of them as crutches. Of course, I would prefer my patient to get their nutrients from their food. Sure. However, if they are broken, hence like a broken digestive system or, you know, stress is out of control, then that's, that is where supplements come in to help with a broken person. Um, but just to take like all these random supplements, I know a lot of people are doing that. Like they're just taking prebiotics and probiotics for their gut health. And it's like, well, number one, like, do you even know what strain you need? And number two, like that company's really good at marketing, which is why you bought their product. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of those, uh, supplement industry and that, you know, I used to think that, uh, I needed pre-workouts and a bunch of shit all the time. And, I finally realized that, yeah, I mean, I do, do I do it now? Yeah, but I, it's just creatine. If you want to say caffeine and just whey protein and sometimes casein protein was part of that RP diet that I did, but that's the only three I usually stick with. And yeah, I throw a multivitamin in there and, and then going back on COVID, I was up, up in my, uh, vitamin D to, uh, was it 3000 IUs? I think I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I was like, oh shit, if I get COVID, this is, that's what they were finding out. Most people who had bad cases were having lack of vitamin D. Exactly. And so, yeah, if you just make sure vitamin D levels, you are going to, are, are adequate, you will be out of, you won't be going to the hospital. I mean, so just make sure those are good. And also ask your doctor to check your vitamin D levels because they won't just check it. You have to ask them to check it. Yeah. Like getting a, what is it, a blood panel? Is that what it's yeah. Called? Blood work? A blood panel. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, just like a rule of thumb is during the winter time, especially in Virginia, you're not getting adequate vitamin D oh, even if you're outside all day, even if you're outside all day. So just take 5,000 I use during the winter time and just to cover your bases. 5,000? Yeah, I, I take 5,000 during the winter and I'm in Southern California. Make me a little shopping list right here. Yeah, Scott. And the thing is, vitamin D3 is so cheap. Like, there's yeah. no excuse. It was like, it was yeah. There's no, like, we should honestly be paying for people's vitamin D because it's so much cheaper than, like, hospital bills. Yeah. There was something else that I was taking, too, during uh, when COVID was heat scare course. Was it vitamin C and zinc? Zinc was part of it, but quercetin? Oh, quercetin. Yeah. Quercetin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I, was, I, I guess I heard on somebody else talking about that. And I yeah. That. No, th- th- there's definitely benefits. Um, to, It strengthens the immune system. I would say vitamin C, zinc, quercetin, and vitamin D are most essential in regarding, regarding your immune system. Mm. Do you take anything daily, like a multivitamin or for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm again, flexitarian. So yeah. I'm like, I, I like it. the I middle flexitarian. ground. I, like, I like the middle ground. So let's say it's a diet, a day that, yeah, I went to a party. I didn't eat very well. Like I'm for sure taking my multivitamin. I'm for sure taking a fish oil supplement. Um, I'll take my vitamin D I'll take a magnesium. So I'm making sure that I'm getting all the nutrients that I know I was missing throughout the day versus if it's a day that I ate really well, I ate fish, then there's no need for me to do the fish oil that day. So mm. I base it off of, okay, what did I eat this day? Like, do I need to supplement? Cause that's what supplements are. They're not meant to replace. They're supplementing what we missed in our sure, diet. Sure. Yeah. That's uh that's part of the reason, you know, I kind of got on the, uh, the multivitamin kick was because I knew I was not eating perfectly. And mm-hmm. even though, you know, whatever, if my body didn't use the rest of it, I know they say, what is you piss out the rest of it, but yeah, you'll just have neon yeah. yellow or, um, pee basically. Yeah. Do you usually drink, oh, speaking of that, do you usually drink water all throughout the day? 
Oh Lord. yes. Water is the most essential nutrient yeah. because your so many mechanisms in your body depend on water, specifically fat burn. So you literally cannot burn fat if you are not well hydrated. So drink your water for, I mean, and also you just feel better when you're actually mm -hmm. hydrated. Yeah. No, I crush uh, a cup of coffee in the morning, sometimes two. Actually, yeah, I used to drink a lot of coffee. And when me and my buddy I was talking about earlier, we did a no gal call, no caffeine month. And I didn't realize until I was writing it down how much caffeine I was taking in on a daily basis. Oh, wow. Like it was, you know, let's say a cup of coffee was an average of what, 100 milligrams? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would do at least two or three every morning. Then I would sometimes, you know, felt like I have to have one of those rain or bang drinks before my workouts. And there were another two or three, whatever they yeah. are. <laughs> and But the problem is I was sleeping. You know, I'd go back to my normal time and I was sleeping and I was fine. I was good. But it wasn't until when I cut back on all that that I was actually dreaming again. And I was like, oh, I'm actually having dreams now. I'm actually getting deeper wow. sleep. Yeah. And so wow, now, cool. and yeah. And it was like, that's one, one thing that you just experiment and play with stuff. And you're like, Ooh, this is ridiculous. And like how just much you didn't realize that you were doing could be hurting yourself. And like now that, you know, I drink, I think I do at most would do two cups of coffee a day. And mm -hmm. sometimes like, we have these fit aid drinks at our gym. I don't know if you know what they are, but it's like 40 milligrams, but it's like so much I dialed back. It's just such a lifestyle change. I feel good. I feel great. I feel like I don't even, when I was not, had no caffeine, I even felt great. Like I didn't need it. Yeah. The first week sucked, but yeah. after that, yeah, I was like, good to go, bro. No, that's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm glad that you even went a period of time without the most commonly used drugs, which is mm. caffeine and alcohol, mm -hmm. because it's important to just remind your body that it doesn't need it. I think so many people need, like they need their caffeine, yeah. right? Like they cannot survive without exactly. their caffeine. And it's like, just try a week try a month, you know, you'll be, it'll be hell, but you will yeah. be fine. You will. It's our animalistic brain that says, no, I will die if yeah. I don't have this, but yeah, it's, it's like good a, to have a detox. It's like a lifestyle thing too, that, you know, no matter what, it's like, Oh, let's just go get a cup of coffee. Let's just go over here get a cup of coffee or whatever. And then you don't even realize in like other drinks, like how much caffeine is actually in those, you know, like a soda or whatever. I think it's like 40 or 50. Oh yeah. But, yeah. So the, it's the combination of the caffeine and sugar. That's very detrimental versus like, if you're just having a black coffee every morning, like it's a little bit different. Exactly. Yeah. And then people who get there and I don't know, whatever, if you want to drink your Starbucks drinks, I don't care. What if, I'm ultimately for like, Hey, if you're not hurting yourself, if you're not hurting anybody else, do whatever you want to, I don't care. But you know, when people go to Starbucks or whatever and they get, you know, extra shots and extra whatever. And it was just like, Whoa, how much is actually in that? And I didn't never realize, I never really thought about it, I guess. It was like, yeah. oh, shit, they're, they're crushing the caffeine. Yeah, so. I know. I, I kind of did a similar thing as you, where I just stopped drinking caffeine and I realized like I could actually fall asleep. I don't yeah. have insomnia because sometimes I'll be like laying there in bed and I can't go to sleep. Right. But as soon as I stopped caffeine, I was like passed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, so much. I mean, like I said, you know, I feel like we're living off momentum, momentum a lot and that uh, you don't sit back and realize how much you're taking in or what you're actually putting in your body. You're just going through it day by day. And yeah, I guess that's a whole kind of the biggest message. If I had to say anything was that, hey, just sit back and reflect on a few things. And if, like I said, if you want to change something, write it down, see what's going on and then find somebody like you and see like, how can you change it for a positive note? If you're not liking the way things are going. 
Right. And just make the list and start with the easiest thing on the list. I think we try so hard to just change everything at once. And honestly, that could be like my one tip is yeah, write your list. And if that one thing is that you can't drink enough water, but you think you, that's the easiest thing on the list, start there, just start there. And you're going to notice the difference. And that momentum is going to start to build. Mm. And the more that we check another thing off the list, it keeps building. And then soon enough, a year later, you're like a whole new person. Yeah. No, that's lovely. I like that. And I know we're getting kind of close on time here, Tatiana, but I want to ask you before we get off here, how long did it take you to write the book? I always, you know, I admire people who do nutrition and do your work and also people who write books because it was something kind of like, I wish I kind of would have did that or would do mm-hmm. that, but I don't know what I would do. But anyway, I like it. Yeah, no, it took me um, so hungry for truth. I've been working. I worked on that one for about two years um, and then I detoured quite a bit. So that's when I um, during the pandemic, I detoured over to the code of a healthy mind. Um, And because I realized with my patients, it's mindset. Mindset is more important than me just telling them what to do. Um, So that's why I veered off, wrote hungry or uh, sorry, a code of a healthy mind. And then I finished up hungry for truth. But I would say it takes, you think it takes longer, the more like that you procrastinate and feel like, Oh, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. You keep working on it and you keep editing it. But like, at some point you just need to say like, this is what it is and it is good enough. And I'm going to publish it. (laughs) Is it part of also that, you know, everything's changing so much as you write as far as. Yeah. Or my beliefs change. Yeah. (laughs) But that was the beauty of the book. And like, honestly, I, I always tell people like I wrote the book for myself because it made me question everything mm. that I believe, which makes my belief stronger because now that I know I've already questioned it, I've already challenged it. I know I, I hold my belief strongly now. Yeah. One of the things going back on Jordan Peterson again, is that to uh, when I first started these podcasts and stuff that to be more articulate and to be more articulate, you should actually write down your thoughts and your feelings and come up with two or three different arguments on a certain whatever Roe v. Wade gun control. And we don't we don't have to talk about that. But and that way, when these conversations do come up, you already you already have your arguments written out and you kind of understand like why you wrote that in your own belief system. And it's powerful yeah. stuff. He's like, I think he said, like, if you want to become a dangerous man, you should do that. And I'm still, <laughs> yeah. try, I'm still trying to get good at it. I try to do it like I do it once is a week, sometimes yeah. a less. Sometimes I take weeks off, but I haven't built that habit, but I'm trying to. And But when I have done it, it's like, ooh, I like the way it, this is going. Yeah, I love that. No, writing is such a powerful thing and like physically writing. Yeah, there's a connection in your, something that goes on in your brain when you're mm-hmm. actually writing things down. So I personally do like a journaling session every morning called the Morning Pages. Um, it was created by Julia Cameron. Um, she's a, a phenomenal creative. Um, but I took that practice from her and it has changed my life. So you, you do a journal every morning you write. Yeah. So it's the morning pages is three, three pages of brain dump every morning and you don't stop. You're not trying to write anything articulate. You're not trying to like impress anybody. Grammar doesn't matter. Spelling doesn't matter. It's just a brain dump in that, like the mental clarity you experience after doing a brain dump like that is amazing. And like, so I'm addicted to it. Like I cannot start my morning without the morning pages. Is it one of these? Uh, so we did exercise like this in college and I remember how it went. So we were at a computer and we had to start typing and no matter what you're typing, it didn't matter if it was wrong, spelling was wrong, grammar was wrong. You just kept typing. And eventually, or obviously you knew what you were writing in the beginning, but your mind just kind of takes over X amount of time halfway through. So it's just kind of the same thing. 
Yes. And you, the things that you realize that's in your brain is crazy. You, you uncover things that you never knew were there. And so it's a great personal development tool, but also just great for creatives. I mean, to just get the blob, all like the nonsense out of their brain. So that way they can actually be in a state of mental clarity. Do you think there's a difference in typing it out on a laptop compared to, I know you said you write it, yeah, but there uh, is, there's a difference. The, like the writing, the writing itself, like the physical um, movement is like a meditative state versus like typing is just not the same. Yeah. Cause when I, I've done it both ways and I felt that when I was typing, I don't know if it was a habit or whatever, but I, it was just like sending a text, like, Oh, that was wrong. Let me go back. And like, I never really fully got into that, that mode or zone or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try it again. Yeah. Just get like a, a regular notebook and set a timer for like 25 minutes and just write and don't let yourself stop. Even if it means like, don't stop, don't stop. Even if it, you're writing the same thing over and over again, just let yourself and like, let your brain go. And it's like the coolest experience. You're just like watching yourself. write, And you're like, Whoa, like I'm just, I'm here and I'm writing. It's a cool experience. Do you have any, uh, music on in the background or anything while you did it? Um, yeah, some, yeah, I, really I do, do listen to music. Yeah. I like to listen to music, um, like instrumental, Ooh. inspirational music, <laughs> just something that's kind of obviously set for the mood or the mood there and not yeah. get you obviously hyped up for a workout or something. So yeah. Cool. All right, cool. All right. I got me a little shopping list here that you gave me today. Um, well, thank you for being here. I know if, um, if you want to plug in, if people want to find you, your book and all that stuff, uh, go ahead and do that. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at vitamin K R D. Um, and also my website is vitamin K spelled K E A Y. That's my last name. Vitamin K.com. Yeah. So basically you got to take your vitamin. That's K. That was clever. I kept thinking like, where should you get the vitamin K from? Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if K is my last name. Um, yeah. So vitamin K, um, R D and then vitamin K.com. Cool. Is that it? So yeah, else? well, if, to find my books, um, you could just go on Amazon and type in Tatiana K and both my books should pop up. If not, then going to my social media, it's in the link in the bio, you know, people, the people basics. Smart enough. They can find it. They know how to Google stuff. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. This was, I think we covered a lot. I think we crushed this. Yeah. And I would love to offer your listeners just the first chapter of Hungry Ooh. for Truth. So I'll send that um, yeah. over to you and that hopefully that they, they can have it just to make sure like they, they like my vibe and like mm. how I write. Um, I, I want to give that to them. Yeah. Cause I, I think the first chapter is most important. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So, um, cool. Well, anything else you want to say or we get to go? No, just good luck on your health journey. If you're <laughs> listening and like, do your best and you, I mean, Chris, you do your best too. I mean, Always. It's, it's a crazy world out there and like we're responsible for our own health and you got to just do your best. Love it. All right. Let's take this home on that. I like that. That's a good note. So, all right. Um, everybody we're out here, be good to yourselves and all that good stuff.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.